Samoa Joe backstage at WWE Performance Center this week. AEW announces four Dynamite specials, and I give you my thoughts on last night's impact against all odds and my predictions for tonight's NXT TakeOver in your house. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to a jam-packed episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. Samoa Joe backstage at the WWE Performance Center this week. Joe was released by the WWE this past April, and Fightful Select is reporting that numerous people in NXT had heard about interest in bringing Joe back. The report does make specifically clear that there's no indication that an offer has been made. Fightful Select provided an update on their original report saying Samoa Joe was backstage at the WWE Performance Center this week. It was not revealed why he was there. He could have just been picking up some things or something along those lines. However, they were able to confirm that there has been pitches to bring Joe back to NXT. Once again, as I said yesterday in the episode of the Daily DDT Podcast, not all is lost when you are released from the WWE. You can always move on to different things, different promotions here in America, different legitimate promotions at that in, in AEW and Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor and things of that nature, or you could even be brought back by the WWE if things are just uh, a little odd at the moment they've released you to release you. So uh, we'll see what happens with Samoa Joe, and I'll keep you updated, of course, and we hope to see Samoa Joe back in, in ring no matter where it is, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, whether it's Impact, wherever. You hope to see Samoa Joe back because we know he can do it. AEW announces four Dynamite specials. This will include the returns of Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. AEW announced that on July 7th they will air their Road Rager episode on in Miami, Florida. In the next two weeks, they will have Fighter Fest specials in Texas. That would be one night one and night two of Fighter Fest. And then finally, they will air Fight for the Fallen in North. Carolina, I <laughs> like I had to do that. I had to do that for in honor of uh, Megan and Roberts. But yeah, great to see that uh, they're gonna have those specials returning and in front of fans. So at that, they're gonna be around, obviously traveling. So uh, awesome, 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 awesome. Gonna have some great main events for all four of those. You can assume it, and I think I already have one main event for the one in Miami. Uh, I don't know if it's a main event or if it's uh, a match that's scheduled on the card, but I can assume it be the main event uh, for the Road Rager episode where it'll be the strap match between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. So awesome for AEW to get back on the road so soon. And uh, WWE going, going to be doing the same, uh, I believe, in uh, the middle of July. All right, let's get into last night's Impact Against All Odds. Uh Huge pay-per-view for Impact Wrestling, uh, the main event of Moose versus Kenny Omega at Daly's Place. Uh, I'll get into that once once we get to the end of uh, the talking about the, this whole show as a whole. But what I will say is that uh, there was a lot of effort put in into this show. I will say that, but I'm not sure if all that effort paid off. But let's get into the show. The Good Brothers versus Sammy Callahan and Tommy Dreamer in a street fight. This was uh, set to open the show. And uh, usually a Tommy Dreamer match, uh, something of this caliber, you know, a, a brawl type match does open the show for Impact Wrestling. And a brawl does start early with the action falling the outside. Weapons used openly and freely. Callahan breaks up a pin by hitting the uh, referee there, uh, which is a fun spot. Magic Killer 
through the table, crushing Dreamer. Callahan breaks up the pin once again. Uh, Callahan slugger for Callahan and Dreamer to pick up the win. Although the tag team in this situation lost, the right people won. Usually I go by my golden rule saying that tag teams should, should establish tag teams at that, should never lose to non-established tag teams. But I feel like this makes sense here. As I said in the predictions episode, that uh, Callahan and Dreamer should win this match, given the fact that this is a street fight type match. These are two street fight type wrestlers. And also... It, it, it being with a no disqualification type nature, uh, it does lead to a better chance of Callahan and Dreamer winning. So I was completely fine with that. Moving on to our next match, Joe Doring versus Kojima. Kojima uh, having a tough time taking down Joe Doring. And Doring, Doring finally takes a bump, uh, but he pops right back up to attack. We haven't seen Joe Doring take many bumps in, in his recent tenure, at least with Violent by Design. He is like an absolute brick wall. He rarely, rarely, rarely ever find him flat on his back. And we saw him a couple times in this one flat on his back, which was which was actually very refreshing to see from, from Joe Doring because he always felt like... It didn't really feel like he was being beast. He was just being a, a no-seller, which, which that's what it kind of felt like to me uh, in the past. But this one felt like uh, Kojima was really being uh, put over hard. Doring dominates Kojima, manipulating every single body part. Kojima fights back, but is stopped by a strong spine buster. Cozy cutter by Kojima. Doring with a Death Valley driver and a lariat. Kojima is able to kick out. But Doring is able to win with a spinning sit-out powerbomb. A clunky match, I will say that, and mostly due to Doring in this one. Uh, but just because of his size and how he moves in the ring. But uh, impressive win nonetheless for Joe Doring for him to take this one. I had Kojima winning it. But uh, hey, you, you give it a Doring, and, and I guess you know you sort of got to give Violent by Design something to, <laughs> on the paper. But you got to give him something, so I guess they gave it to Doring there. All right, moving on to our next match. Ace Austin versus Chris Bay versus Rahit Raju versus Petey Williams versus Trey Miguel in a pretty much a fatal five-way. Winner becomes the number one contender for the X Division title. Solid dive to the outside by Miguel, taking everyone out. Uh, everyone gets their time in the sun with their offensive spots. Ace Austin with a fun top rope double leg drop. Uh, top rope Canadian Destroyer to Ace Austin from Petey Williams. Madman Fulton does enter in this match, and he attacks everyone in assistance to Ace Austin. Fulton slams all four other competitors besides Ace Austin at once. He had two like in a choke slam position. He had one cradled across his chest. I, I, I guess he had one on top of his head or something. Oh, he had one like in the powerbomb position. So he, he had all four at once and he slammed them all at the same time. And it looked a little whack. <laughs> it looked like everyone took a soft bump. Meanwhile, the referee sold it as if it was the craziest thing of all time. And also the referee announces that this match was a no contest because of Fulton's interference. So no winner in this one, but also no loser as well. Ace Austin did leave with his music playing and hand held high by Madman Fulton, but still no number one contender name for the X Division title, which I think is a good thing given the fact that Josh Alexander just had that 60-minute Iron Man match that was only partially shown on TV because the rest was on BTI, the whole front part of it. So, yeah, I, I really got you got to think here of what this really means uh, for the X Division title. You're probably giving Josh Alexander more time with it as you try to figure out who's going to be the next in line, which I don't think is always the worst idea. Uh, I just I would have loved to see a winner come out of this, but uh, at the same time, I think we're also okay not getting one as well, given what Josh Alexander just went through with that. Uh, you want to let people sit and simmer with it, that match because it was a relatively decent match. It's just a shame that we didn't all get to see it on television. It wasn't it wasn't promoted as such. So, 
Either way, the referee announces that match is a no contest because of the Fulton interference. We'll move on to our next one. W. Morrissey versus Rich Swan. Swan able to put up a fight, sending Morrissey to the outside. Offense from Swan halts after a big boot from Morrissey. Morrissey brutalizing Swan, but Swan able to gain the advantage on the outside. It seems like Swan really strong on the outside in this one in this match. Swan botched a 450 splash to the outside. His legs got underneath him before his chest connected with Morrissey laying prone on the outside. So it was kind of a weird spot where his feet landed first instead of his upper body on the 450 splash. But Swan was able to make up for it with a clean one on the inside, this time uh, in, in the middle of the ring instead of falling to the outside from the apron to the floor. Morrissey hulks up and connects with an F5. Swan flips off Morrissey and a running powerbomb from Morrissey to pick up the win. Uh, I I don't think this is over yet. Great match. Uh, I don't mind the winner either. I'm glad Morrissey got the win here, especially if he's going to be here a little bit longer, especially if there's going to be a few match set. I'm not sure how deeply under contract Morrissey is under Impact Wrestling at the moment. If it's just something like a Cardona situation, well, he'll be here for a little bit. And uh, as you know, Cardona went to go on to do some things with GCW, and I'm going to go against Nick Gage. Hope for the best. <laughs> Hope his pretty face makes it out alive. But other than that, I wonder how long Morrissey's under contract, so I don't mind giving him the win here as long as Rich Swan looks the strongest at the end. Uh, given the fact that he, I'm hoping he's going to be the one to, or somebody's going to be the one to take the belt back off Omega. And if that is if that is Rich Swan to do it, you don't want him to go in there limping. You want him to go in there very strong after defeating Morrissey, at least some point down the line. Moving on to our next match, Jordan Grace versus Tennille Dashwood. Grace with some big slams early. Caleb with the K pulls Dashwood out of the ring, and the change of scenery allows Dashwood to gain control. Also, some interference from Caleb with the K as well, uh, attacking Jordan Grace, making that uh, a reason why Dashwood is in control. Dashwood feeling herself. Grace is able to catch a crossbody and slams Dashwood to even the pace. Caleb with the K distracts the referee once again when Dashwood was locked in a sleeper. Rachel Ellering stops Caleb, but this angers uh, Jordan Grace because uh, she did not want anyone to get involved into this match, especially not Ellering. Grace's anger causes her to lose on a roll-up, and Grace snaps and attacks Caleb with a K after the match. Uh, I did predict that there was going to be some altercation. I wouldn't say altercation, but there was going to be some fallout between Ellering and Grace. I predicted this coming more from Ellering's side. Of her being the one to be angry and get and and turn, but Jordan Grace looks like to be the one to get angry and start to turn, and now Jordan Grace is going to be the one to turn heel. So it was going to be one of the two, and I pinned it more on Ellering, but it's going to go in the decision of uh, going towards Jordan Grace, which which is pretty good because you know with some of her stature, I feel like she could be a fantastic, fantastic heel, Jordan Grace. All right, moving on to Susan and Kimberly versus Fire and Flava for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Fire and Flava, the champions coming into this one. Fire and Flava hot early with a lot of referee distractions as well. Those distractions allow for the tide to turn in Kimberly's and Susan's favor. Hogan enters on a hot tag. Susan accidentally hits Kimberly on a pin breakup, hitting her own teammate there. Swanton from Kimberly, but a kick out. Uh, Steels connects with a frog splash to retain the Knockouts Tag Team Championships. 
And uh, the match felt a little gimmicky early on, but panned out into a pretty overall solid match. So it couldn't be too mad. But early on was a little gimmicky for me with the whole Susan character. Even though I'm a big fan of her, uh, sometimes the, the it's good on it's good on an episode of uh, Impact on on Access TV, but maybe not good when I'm paying ten dollars for it. So <laughs> uh, I uh, I was a little shaken there in the beginning, but the match panned out to be overall very very good. And um, Excited to see how far Fire and Flavor can take it moving forward because uh, you only could wonder how many tag teams they have left to, to conquer in this knockout tag team division. And uh, there aren't really that many more, or if any, if there are any more. I can't really think of it off the top of my head how many they have left to uh, to beat. But it's going to come a point where uh, they have no one else to, to face. And I feel like we're going to get back to that point where... Um, this division's just going to get all melded into one with no one having their own stories, which it might already be at. It might already be at that knockouts tag team title division. So it's going to be a tough look, but I think the knockouts and the impact wrestling will be able to get through it. All right, let's move on. Crazy Steve and Black Taurus versus Violent by Design for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Violent by Design champions coming into this one. Diener getting a pep talk from Eric Young outside of the ring. Not enough to keep Decay at bay. Decay, team of Crazy Steve and Black Taurus. Violent by Design regaining their footing against Black Taurus with frequent tags. And Crazy Steve enters on the hot tag of his own. Eric Young distracts, allowing Griano to attack. And a Diener DDT leads to Violent by Design retaining the Impact World Tag Team Championships. Glad Diener got the pin here. This is one thing that I was talking about on the predictions episode. Diener sort of has to gain something from this because the only reason he's holding this belt at the moment, well, prior to this match, was because of the Freebird rule, the match where Violent by Design won these championships. Uh, it was... Doring and Rhino, you know, Dina was not the one involved in the winning of the championships. Now he not only was in this match, but he also uh, was the one to get the pinfall to retain. So you you definitely now can consider him a champion at this point, even though he wasn't the one to originally win it. He was definitely the one to retain it. So. Uh, that, that's a really good look for, for Diener, and he gets to hold that belt high over his head. He gets to put it around his waist. And, you know, one of the points of bringing in Diener and, and separating him from Jake something was to boost both. You want to boost both Jake something and Diener. And Diener, hopefully, is going to get a good boost here, but uh, holding the championship definitely is, is a step in the right direction. Moving on to our next match, Rosemary versus Deanna Perrazzo for the Knockouts Championship. Deanna Perrazzo, of course, your Knockouts Champion, coming into this one. Rosemary with a heavy early offense. Perrazzo able to find her footing and works the arm of Rosemary. Rosemary can only lock in half of her submission holds because of the injured arm. Perrazzo locks in the Venus de Mayo, but Rosemary finds the ropes. Prazo wants to work the leg and she does able to attack that knee brace and for that moment of change it allows Prazo to connect with the pile driver to retain. Decent match but nothing too special especially with uh, the submission of of uh, Diana Prazo losing some value in this one uh, I have to say because he, you know that's her Huge submission hold on Dianos de Mayo, and and you want to protect that. And even though it did end in a rope break, that submission hold, 
that held, it held for a long time. And usually we see that end of match right away. When as soon as it's locked in. Rosemary was clawing and clawing and clawing for the ropes. So I guess it does make Rosemary look strong. But it sort of takes the wind out of that submission hole just a little bit. Not something I'm going to remember probably going forward. But uh, it, it took the wind out of it a little bit for me. At least in this one. It was a decent match. But nothing to really write home about either. You know, Rosemary gets her championship opportunity against Donna Perrazzo. Perrazzo, once again, going to hold this belt for a long, long time. At least until someone from another company shows up and tries to take it off. Her. That's when I think they'll finally make the change. But right now, Perrazzo is definitely going to be that girl. She's, she's holding that belt for a long time. She's already held it for a very long time as is. And I really don't see anyone in this company right now that can take it, take it off her. All right, let's move on to the main event of the evening, Impact against All Odds main event, Moose versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. This match took place at Daly's Place, and Moose wore amazing, amazing gear for this one. It had white and gold with the white trunks, gold boots, terrible angles with the black background, and it looks absolutely vacant in the sag crowd noise. It was tough. It was tough, and that, that was one of the main problems why this match I wouldn't say failed but this match really got a big tick from me because and it was no fault of Moose or Omega this is the fault of Impact's uh, foresight not seeing this and yes you have the match at Daly's place you have it there but you could have the match at Madison Square Garden for all I care if there's no one there and the lighting is terrible and you're fighting against a black background it's a really tough look. It's a really, really tough look. And I got to regain my, my thoughts here because I, I get angry when something like this happens from a production standpoint because they probably all got there and all thought it was going to be great. They're in Daly's place. The ring is set up. They had it set up not in the way uh, that we usually see a dynamite where it's the two entrances. They had it how they set it up for double or nothing. So you would where they had the stage, usually fans would be there for what they, how they had Double or Nothing. But no, obviously not going to have fans there because it's not a live event. It was pre-taped. They did have some people there ringside. I have no idea who they were. They were wrestlers or not. Some of them looked like they were. Some of them looked like they weren't. And listen, it, it looked like an, a dark, an AEW dark match. It looked like a, either a dark match. It looked like an elevation type match. It, it just didn't look great. It didn't look great. And if you're having that as the main event of your pay-per-view, that's a really, really big problem. I understand the idea behind it, but as I said, you can have the match at Madison Square Garden. You can have a match at the Mecca. You know, you could have a, a match in in front of a, a stadium. You can have a match in a stadium that holds over 100,000 people, but there's no one in those seats, and if there's no one there, and if and if the lighting's bad, if the camera if the camera guy forgot to tell the lighting guy to come in to to fix uh, the lights for the show, you're not gonna get a good show. You're not gonna get a good show, and, and I don't think they got one here. I mean, that's not taking away from the actual physical match itself but the energy of it the whole display of it the way it was shown it, it really took a lot of, of the wind out of my sails all right and also tony shivani on play by play for this one which he should do more often because uh not, not that I'm not, I'm not a big fan of excalibur i just think that uh you know he's excalibur would be a perfect color guy not a perfect play by play guy all right let's get into this match and let me stop talking about the uh the actual aesthetic of it Omega tries for the one-wing angel early, but Omega can't get Moose up. Moose sent to the outside, 
and a huge dive by Omega over the top rope that connects. Moose connects with a beautiful standing moonsault. Moose mocks Omega on the outside with the, the finger point and the, the gunshot. Misses Omega and launches himself into the second row. Uh, Omega works the previously injured arm of Moose that was injured during the Sammy Callahan match that Moose had at Impact. Moose reverses a triangle choke into a powerbomb. V-triggers start raining down from Omega but can't put Moose away. Uh, The two trade strikes and Doc Sampson has to enter the ring to check on the shoulder of Moose. Moose is completely fine as Moose walks to the... Excuse me, he launches himself to the top rope for a Spanish fly uh, on Omega from the top rope. That was great. Omega pulled the ref in front of a spear to stop uh, himself from being hurt. The Young Bucks enter and connect with the BTE trigger. Omega connects with the One Wing Angel with the assistance of the Young Bucks to help get Moose up. And uh, he does pick up the win there after connecting with the one wing angel. Tell me why I thought Moose was going to kick out of that. I don't know. The, the count was very, very slow. It was like one, two, three. You know, the count was very slow. It took it took a lot of time. And in my mind, I thought Moose was going to kick out. And I know I sound like an idiot for saying that, especially in hindsight. You know, if they're going to have someone kick out of the one wing angel, it's going to be on AEW. It's not going to be on Impact. They wouldn't do that there. So that's one thing, just to keep it straight. Also, they're not going to do it in front of 50 people ringside. They're going to do it in front of a, a pack, packed house, right? They're, going to, they're not going to do it even at Daly's Place, you know, which is a possibility. But they're not going to do it in front of a crowd that's not that, that big. They, they want to do it in front of 60,000 people if they can fill, fill that, right? So... That's when they're going to do it. They're going to do it for that type of pop. Not in front of 50 people for Moose to lose at the end of the day. If someone's going to kick out, they're going to end up winning that match. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it was sad to see the match go the way it did because I set the bar very high for this match. And although it didn't reach it, it's not the fault of their own. It's not the fault of Omega. It's not the fault of Moose. Because the match delivered. And if this was in front of fans, or, to be honest with you, if they had this match in the Impact Zone, if they had this match where the pay-per-view, all the rest of the matches were for this pay-per-view, I think this match would have gone over fine. I think I would have no problem with this match. It's just the black background, it seemed bleak, the sad crowd noise... It just wasn't a good look. It just wasn't a good look. I'd much rather them have had this match in the Impact Zone just to keep the coherency of the whole pay-per-view as well. There's just no need. There's just no need for them to go to Daly's Place for this. Now, if there's a logistics reason, if Omega couldn't make his way up to the Impact Zone and the only way was to get Moose down there and if that was for the whatever ever reason, fine, I'll be able to swallow that. But if this was a creative choice, I think this was not a smart creative choice. But if their their hand was forced in this direction, then that's a, a problem. Uh, and after the match, Sammy Callahan appears and attacks the Young Bucks. D- Don Callis obviously very upset about this. And he fires, fires Sammy Callahan from Impact Wrestling. So who knows what's going to happen at Slammiversary as that match is now up in the air. And uh, we currently don't know what's going to happen for Slammiversary. The, the show and the pay-per-view went off air after the firing occurred. So 
Final grade for this pay-per-view. Final grade for Impact against all odds. Oh, this is a tough one. Somewhere in the C's. I don't want to say C minus. I don't want to say C plus. So we're going to say C. This pay-per-view probably could have been a B minus to be honest with you. If this pay- if the main event delivered in the Impact Zone. I understand possibly the main reason why they wanted to have... Uh, this be at Daly's places to have the Young Bucks get involved in this match, given that it, it makes more sense for the Young Bucks to be in Jacksonville than it makes sense for them to be in the Impact Zone. So I get that, and that's a, a probably the best way for uh, Omega to be able to execute the One Wing Angel with the assistance of the Young Bucks. But if you were going to do that, if you needed someone to have the assistance there, you could have had the Good Brothers do it in the impact zone, even though they had a match earlier in the night, they still could have came out, you know, but if you want, really wanted the Young Bucks to do it, I guess maybe that's the reason why they wanted to have the match in Daly's place, so we'll see. Uh, I didn't give a final grade. I'll give it a C. I'll give it a C. And because it, it really was, it was average. It was average, you know. It, it was probably worth $10. Anything more than that, and I would have been upset. You know, I paid you paid ten dollars for this pay per view unless you had Impact Plus, and uh, then you're paying a little less. But you know, it, this is what you, sort of your give and take, your give and take. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too too happy with this this pay per view, but I can't really complain either, given that they delivered on a lot of other matches as well. You know, the the Good Brothers Sammy Callahan and Tommy Dreamer match is very good. Uh, they had uh, W. Morrissey and Rich Swan was very good. Jordan Grace's match was very good. And, um, yeah, the matches up and down the card that were solid. It's just uh, I'm, I'm a little upset about the main event. And sometimes the main event is most important. All right. I'm going to move on to our predictions for NSC TakeOver in your house after the break. Something you're not going to want to miss. Call your bookies. Break out your pen and pencil because I'm going to give you my predictions for tonight's show. Something you're not going to want to miss. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on June 13th, 1993, WWF presented King of the Ring from the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. It was actually the seventh King of the Ring tournament, but this was the first ever pay-per-view to ever be held by the WWF for King of the Ring. This is also the first new pay-per-view the WWF has had since the 1989 Royal Rumble. So finally adding an additional pay-per-view, King of the Ring pay-per-view no longer around. Not a part of the Big Four. Well, I guess it could have been considered a part of the Big Five if, if it stuck, but never did, King of the Ring. It, it does come around from time to time, but it's very dependent. Bret Hart defeated Bam Bam Bigelow to win the King of the Ring tournament. Other than that, Yokozuna defeated Hulk Hogan to win the WWF Championship. Uh, This bout was the Hogan's first in the company since winning the WWF title at WrestleMania 9. And it was his last on television. It wouldn't be until a year later that Hogan returned to the ring in the States, but for WCW, where... I, I, I want to look back and see how, how world-shaking it was to have uh, Hogan appear on WCW. I, I really, I'm curious on how how that went because no one really ever talks about Hogan's early run with WCW. Everyone talks about his NWO run when he turned. You know, everyone talks about that, but no one really talks about his early run because he was doing pasta commercials, I believe, during that time and running with Disney World. 
All right, let's get into this NXT TakeOver In Your House predictions. I believe only five matches on this card, but some of these matches are stacked and some of these matches are, are like combined, so it makes sense why there's only five. All the names kind of are need to be there. But, yeah, only, only five matches on this card. Mercedes Martinez versus Zaya Lee. Tough one to pick. Tough one to pick. And the main reason why I put this one out front, I don't have really any order, but I have more of the championship matches head towards the bottom. So this is the only technically non-championship match on the card. The rest are championship matches if you consider the Million Dollar Championship ladder match to be a championship match, but the rest are. So Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee can go either way. Can go either way. I think this doesn't end here, no matter what. Whether Martinez wins or Zaylee Lee wins, I'm going to give Zaylee Lee the victory here. Even though Martinez has been booked very, very strong, that's the main reason why I think Zaylee Lee is going to win. I think she Lee is going to get a run for her money. I think she is going to get beat up pretty hard. We haven't seen Zaylee Lee get beat up pretty hard, but I think she will find a way to sneak out and win. Whether it is the assistance of Boa or the thousand-year-old lady that she has <laughs> ringside. Um... I think Zia Lee will either pick up the win or this match ends in DQ with a, a green mist or something like that in favor of Mercedes Martinez. But I think Zia Lee walks out with her head head high and Mercedes Martinez obviously going to be upset about it. So I think this will be in Zia Lee's favor. I think she will get the pinfall victory as a whole for my prediction. But expect some hoopla to possibly happen with Marcina Martinez being screwed in, in some way, shape, or form as they're trying to book her towards it being a babyface. That's why that's why I'm sort of predicting it in that way because I guess she's trying to be pushed in that direction and Zaylee the obvious heel. So try, try to look at it from that light even though Mercedes Martinez hasn't been definitively stamped as a, a babyface. All right, let's get into these championship matches. The Million Dollar Championship ladder match, Cameron Grimes versus L.A. Knight. I'm not really a tough one here. I think Cameron Grimes is almost a shoe in to win this match. LA, LA Knight has been booked very, very uh, strong in this direction, but there's no real reason for him to win it, to be honest with you. Cameron Grimes should be the one to come out of here and win uh, the Million Dollar Championship belt, especially with Ted DiBiase being there and that belt being on the line. You know, Cameron Grimes has done so much with that new gimmick, I feel like he deserves to be awarded for it. And... It makes sense for people saying, hey, you know, he he's done great, but shouldn't really be awarded with the North American Championship or the NXT Championship. Doesn't really make sense there. So award him with the million dollar belt. You know, it's like awarding someone with the FTR uh, Championship. You know, it, it, FTW Championship. Excuse me. It, it makes sense from that light to go in that direction. So I have Cameron Grimes in this one. Ellie Knight. A lot of people I feel are looking at Ellie Knight, saying that he has a good chance of winning it. I just think he's been booked very, very strong. To be a good foil for Cameron Grimes, in that light. But uh, I, I, I think it, if we put that aside and and put aside his, his, how strong he's been booked, uh, Cameron Grimes, from a story perspective, really, it's almost a shoo-in. It's almost a shoo-in. I'm not saying it's not going to be a bad match. I'm not saying it's going to be a, uh, you know, a match that that is just going to be a Cameron Grimes squash ladder match. But I think he he'll still come out. With the victory no matter what. So Cameron Grimes there. Moving on to the winner takes all NXT Tag Team Championship and North American Championship match. Uh, so the, the winner of this match takes both belts here. So it's Bronson Reed and MSK, the two champions, taking on Legado del Fantasma. 
fun way to set this up. You could have done this individually. You could have done MSK versus uh, the the tag team part of Legado Fantasma, or uh, you could also do Bronson Reed versus Santos Escobar. Why not throw it all once at the same time? Makes sense from that perspective to to do it like that. Do it all at the same time. Have a fun three way match. But it sort of spoils the ending for me because I feel like if they're going to change hands, it's going to be in a singles form. But they can all throw it together all at the same time. But I feel like it's way too soon for Bronson Reed. He hasn't had any time with that championship. MSK, they've had the belt for a while, so if they lose it, I I wouldn't be too upset. But Bronson Reed just got it. So Reed and MSK retain, if anything, well, either way, it's not like you could lose half of the belt. It's winner takes all. So yeah, Reed and MSK win this one here. If it wasn't winner takes all and it was a possibility for MSK to lose it, then that 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 would be the only way. But there's no way that it's a winner takes all. So Reed and MSK retain. Moving on to our next match, the NXT women's championship, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Raquel Gonzalez here, Ember Moon is built very strong coming into this one especially with her separation from Shotzi Blackheart. Not in a bad way, but in an injury way. Blackheart being sidelined due to an injury. Uh, I think they might have one match after this one, maybe on a special episode of NXT, not at another pay-per-view, between Gonzalez and Moon. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that, and I still think Gonzalez would retain there, but I have Gonzalez going a long way here. I think she's very strong, and I, I hope for her sake that she can hold on to this belt for a long time as this NXT Women's Division continues to be one of the best in the world. Uh, in the world of, of professional wrestling. All right, moving on to the NXT Championship Fatal 5-Way match. Karrion Cross versus Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne versus Johnny Gargano versus Kyle O'Reilly. The fact that there's so many names in this match makes me want to lean back towards Karrion Cross, And that's what I'm going to say. I think Karrion Cross does retain the NXT Championship here. If it's anyone, it's Cole or Gargano. That grabbed the belt off of Cross. It's either going to be one of those two to have a singles match at, with Karrion Cross after this one. I think possibly they have Gargano go against Cross go at a special episode of uh, of NXT. With, you know whatever they want to name it, not a takeover, but it'd be Cross Gargano, and then they would have Karrion Cross take on Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And whatever happens there depends on the storm we have to see by then. Or they could even flip it, have Karrion Cross beat Adam Cole at a special episode of NXT, and then have Cross take on Mr. Takeover uh, at an NXT Takeover, Johnny Gargano, and that could be a really really fun match. But either way, I think it's going to be Cole Gargano next for uh, another championship reign or something along those lines. But Karrion Cross, I I feel is going to retain here just because there's so many names that it's going to make Karrion Cross look real strong to defeat all of them. But it's either Dunn or O'Reilly that's going to get pinned. I would probably have my money on O'Reilly being the one to get uh, pinned here, as Pete Dunn probably has has some more uh, some more to go. I'm not saying Kyle O'Reilly's done, but he already had his really big match against Adam Cole, and I feel like it's going to be a while for him to to be built up as, as strong again. But yeah, those are my predictions. And it's only five matches, so that's why it seems kind of short here. It's only really five NXT in-your-house uh, uh, takeover matches. So a little odd to, for it to be this short, but there's a lot of names involved, so you, you kind of get it. And all these matches are very important. So 
Uh, even though I don't have any title changes in this one, we do have a new title holder in Cameron Grimes. So I feel like that that will be the title situation there that we could sort of uh, sand out. So once again, uh, for Mercedes Martinez and Zia Lee, I have Zia Lee for the Million Dollar Championship ladder match between Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. Cameron Grimes, the winner takes all for the NXT Tag Team Championships and the North American Championship, Bronson Reed and MSK. They take that win over Legal de Fantasma, retaining NXT Women's Championship between Raquel Gonzalez and Ember Moon. Raquel Gonzalez retains NXT Fatal Five Way match. Carrying Cross retains with the possibility of of Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano moving forward um, with having a match with Karen Cross down the line. Kyle O'Reilly probably being the one to get pinned. Looking on to our next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. Of course, we're going to be talking about NXT TakeOver in your house. I'll give you my full thoughts and opinions on tonight's show. So that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.